Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. We're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. Luke shows Jesus to be the Savior. He's the perfect man. He has come as the substitute and sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. Now, what we're doing, we're near the end of the study. We're into the study of the Gospel of Luke. We're seeing what's really the greatest event in the world, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. We realize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, left the glories of heaven, became a human being. About age 30, he started a ministry, and the ministry lasted three to three and a half years. He proclaimed that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, and King. He went to Jerusalem to fulfill the plan, the plan of the Father, and that was to do the will of the Father, and that was to die and rise again, paying for sins. He was arrested and crucified. We saw Jesus on the cross. We, see him, we saw him fulfill the Old Testament prophecies. We saw him make seven statements on the cross. One of the key ones, of course, was, it is finished. He died paying for the sins of the world. Several weeks ago, we saw the burial. In fact, as you look at it this way, in the burial, in mankind's view, you'd say, gosh, it's over. He's dead. But from God's view, it's finished. The payment has been made. Jesus will rise again. And so we saw last week this great truth. They went to the tomb, and it was empty. Now, they didn't want to go into the tomb to say, we're going to the tomb because he's not there. They were going to the tomb because they thought he was there. They were going to the tomb to anoint the body. And yet when they got to the tomb, the body was gone. And the angels told the women that he was alive. He had risen just like he said. Well, there was so much confusion. What happened to the body? Was he alive? Had someone taken the body? This morning we're going to see the first appearances of Jesus Christ. He appears to Mary, Mary Magdalene. Then he appears to the women. And then two men, two, or two people, most likely two men, walking on the road to Emmaus. And we'll just see the first part of that this morning. Next week we'll see the finish of that. We're going to see the world's greatest event, the resurrection of our Savior. He is alive. You know, when you think about life, there's disappointments. Uh, all of us have had disappointments. It hurts things they, that just didn't turn out the way we thought it should, the way we wanted it to. It may be you studied for some big test, you put a lot of time into it, but you didn't do well. Or you applied for a scholarship, and you said, I want that scholarship, and you didn't get it. Or we wanted, our, we wanted to win the game, we wanted our team to win, and they didn't. Or you, you wanted to get a job, you know, a certain job, and you, you put in a resume, put, and you didn't get the job. Oftentimes we're disappointed. Things just don't turn out the way that we thought they should, the way that we wanted them to. Well, this morning we're going to see two men. They're walking uh, to their hometown. Their hometown is a little town called Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're sad, and they're bothered, and they're disappointed. Why? Because, see, they believed that Jesus was the Christ. They believed that he was the Messiah, the Savior. They had trusted in him. They, they believed he would be the one who would redeem Israel that he was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. But it didn't turn out right. The religious leaders had him put to death. And in fact, the religious leaders had him, turned him over to the Romans, and they killed him. And they buried him. And he's dead. And it's over. It just didn't turn out right. Well, this morning, as we begin this little section, as we'll, we'll see a couple places, and then we'll see this section... We, we see that these two are going to see the risen Savior. Now, at first they don't realize it's Jesus because it fixes, somehow he fixes it where they can't tell who he is. It says that they were not able to recognize him. And they don't realize it, but they are seeing the risen Savior. We'll begin seeing the resurrection appearances of our Savior Jesus Christ. And, and as the next slide shows us that this is the greatest and most important truth of all. It's the greatest truth because Jesus is alive. And it's important because without the resurrection, we have nothing. Now, you understand 
that Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he died on the cross. He paid for sin. He was buried. And he rose again. He is alive. And if you, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the grave, we have nothing. That's why it's so important. May we be excited today as we see the appearance of Jesus Christ. Well, let's begin. Let's begin. We're seeing it's the first day of the week, first day of the week, Sunday. The women have gone out to the tomb to anoint the body. Now, remember, they've gone out to the tomb not expecting that he would be gone. They've gone out to the tomb expecting he's there. You remember I told you last time that the tomb most likely was in the side, like the side of a hill. And it was like a cave-looking thing. And there was a groove there that they would put a, a big rock or a stone. And you could go across the groove and you would step into this, this little room. And then inside that there were compartments or sections in which there would be slabs in which they would lay out bodies in there. Now, this is a new tomb, so nobody's ever been in this one. This is Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. So when they laid Jesus in this tomb, there, there were not bones in there. There were not other bodies in there because nobody had ever laid in there. But I told you last time uh, that they would take the body, and after they anointed it, it would become just nothing but bones left. They'd put those in a box called ossuaries. Usually they would leave them in the tomb. The next person that would die out of that family, they would put them in there until that happened. So the ladies, they've come out, the women have come out that morning to anoint the body. Because it's been four or five days, best we can tell. It's the first day of the week. And, and they've come out because on the Sabbath, which was the day before that, that was a Saturday, they, weren't, they couldn't travel very far and they couldn't do any work. So they've waited until the first day of the week. When they get there, the stone has been moved away. And they had talked on the way there saying, I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how we're going to move the stone out of the way, but, but when they get there, it's moved away and the body's gone. Now, let me tell you something just to help you put this together. The women come out there. Mary Magdalene is one of the women. When they get there and they see the body is gone, Mary Magdalene leaves and she's going to tell Peter. The other women stay. And we saw last week that while they were staying there, two angels appeared. And told them, said, why are you looking for Jesus among, you know, when the, looking for the living among the dead? He's, he's alive. He's risen. After the ladies heard that, they left. We're going to see this morning that Mary gets Peter and John. They come back. Peter and John look in and they leave. And then Mary stays. She doesn't know that the angels had told the other women that he was alive. She doesn't know that. We'll see it as we go through our passage this morning. We're going to see several things. Let me show you this. In order to really put this together, we're going to have to go to three different places. First of all, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. We'll have to go to John chapter 20. We'll go very quickly through the passages. We'll see Mary sees the angels, Mary sees Jesus, and then Mary tells others. Then the second thing we're going to see is Jesus appears to the women. That's the women that had been there, had heard about it. They were on their way somewhere else to tell other people, and that Jesus appears to them. There's fear and Enjoy women, the women see Jesus, and they go tell others. Then the third thing we're going to see is the verses we read in Luke 24. Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. There's two walking and talking. Jesus joins them, but they don't recognize as Jesus, and they begin discussing the events. Now, we're just getting started in this passage. We'll finish it next week, and we'll see what happens when they realize that that's Jesus that they're talking to. It's amazing. So let's do this. Hold your place in Luke chapter 24 and turn over to John chapter 20. John chapter chapter 20. This is where we'll start this morning. We're going to see where Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. And this is the first appearance. Now think about this. Out of all the people that Jesus could have appeared to first, who does he appear to? 
It's Mary Magdalene. Now, people say, well, who is this Mary Magdalene? Remember we talked about her. Mary Magdalene was a woman that had followed Jesus around. The best we can tell from the Scripture, she had been possessed by demons, and he had cast the demons out of her, and because of her love and adoration for him, she followed him around. Uh, She most likely was at the cross. She saw him being buried, and now she's coming out to the tomb early that morning. And we'll read the passage, and I'll I'll show you how things fit together. Look at chapter 20, John 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Now, John doesn't give us the details. Luke tells us some things. Matthew tells us some things. If you put them together, a number of women came out there. Best we can tell, there were probably six women coming to the tomb. When they got there, stone had been rolled away. They looked in, and the body was gone. Mary leaves. She got there, it says, verse 2, So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him. She's gone. After she left, that's when the angels appeared and told those other women that he was alive. They're leaving. About the time they leave, here comes Peter and John, and they get there, they go look in there, they actually go in, and then They leave. And we saw last week when they left, it said that Peter marveled and John marveled about what was going on. And it said that they still had not grasped the fact that he was alive. They still kept saying, what's going on? Because his body, what happened to the body? They had not put it together that he was going to rise from the dead. We all look at the passages, we study the Bible, we say, you should have known that. He told you over and over. The truth is he did tell them over and over. They just didn't get it. If we'd have probably been there and listening to the whole thing, somebody would have said to us, what's happening? We'd go, I don't know. I don't get it. We just didn't get it. They didn't get it. Okay? So watch what happens. It says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, and she saw the stone was rolled away from the tomb. So she ran to Peter and and John, and then they come back, and then they leave, and she's there by herself. Now, you understand, she doesn't know about the angels. She doesn't know the angels told the other women that he's alive. She thinks somebody has taken the body. She is not jumping up and down with joy, thinking that he's risen from the grave. She thinks somebody's stolen the body. Look at verse 11 of John 20. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. Now there she is. She's weeping. Why is she weeping? For joy? No, she's not weeping for joy. She's weeping because she thinks he's dead. She thinks somebody's taken the body. And we're going to see in this event the power of the resurrection because she's in despair. She's sadness. She thinks he's dead. The body's gone. It's all about to change because you're going to see the difference in her when she realizes Jesus is alive. And that is the difference. If you notice, if you read uh, through these disciples and every one of them, as long as they think Jesus is dead, they're all sad, they're afraid, they're hiding. And when Jesus, they realize he's alive and they see him, they change totally. And that's how we should be. Because, see, we need to realize that Jesus is alive. That death is conquered. Sin is paid for. Jesus Christ is God. And he's a living Savior. Well, there she is. She was standing outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And look what happened. And she saw 
two angels in white, one sitting at the head, of, uh, one sitting at the head, one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. Now, she looks in there, and remember, she goes in, stoops in, and then there's the compartments, and there's the slab where the body had been, and suddenly she sees these two angels, one at the head, one at the foot. And these are probably the same angels that appeared to those women just earlier and told them that Jesus was alive. So she sees these angels. It's a very powerful event. But look what she does. She saw two angels, verse 12, sitting, one, one at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, and the angels are going to talk to her. Look what they said. Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Now, they ask her, why are you weeping? You know what the idea there is? Why are you weeping? Why would you be weeping? He's alive. Why are you so sad? Don't you get it? He's alive. She said this. Why am I crying? Because they've taken away my Lord. They've taken him away, and I don't know where they've laid him. She's saying, somebody obviously has taken the body. Now, they're not supposed to take the body, but somebody did, and I'd like to know who got him. Now, think about it. I don't know where they've laid him. She's not saying... The body's gone. Obviously, he's alive. It just didn't hit her. He is alive. She just doesn't know it. She should have. They all should have. In the Gospel of Matthew, five times before Jesus got to Jerusalem, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'll be handed over to the Gentiles. I'll be put to death. And then I will raise three days, rise from the dead three days later. He told him five times in the Gospel of Matthew. We saw it a bunch of times in the Gospel of Luke. We've seen it over and over. And they never grasped it. They just didn't put it together. See, they were saying in their minds, if he's the Messiah and the King, because that's who he is, he's the son of David, he's the Messiah, he's the King, then what he's going to do is defeat the Romans and take over, and he'll be the King, and we'll rule with him. And that's why some of the sons, some of the disciples were saying, let us be on the right, let us be on the left, let us have a good shot. You know, we want a good position. That's what they were thinking. And when he died, they said, bummer. Right? What a, what, a, what a deal. We thought he was the one. We thought he was the king. We thought he was the Messiah. He's going to rule. What happened? And so here she is. She's saying, obviously somebody took the body away. I want to know where it is. Notice verse 14. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Now, she was in there like this. Maybe she sensed somebody behind her. Who knows? But she turns around, and there's Jesus standing right there. She doesn't recognize him. She doesn't know it's him. It could be maybe because she's crying. Maybe she just can't see his face. Who knows? She doesn't know that it, that it is Jesus. It says, Jesus standing there, and she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus says to her, and I watch this. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now, I want you to notice Jesus asked two questions to her. Why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Now, she doesn't know who it is yet. But listen, here's the answers. Think about it. Why are you weeping? Why would you be weeping? Because he's alive. He's risen. There's no time for crying. We shouldn't be crying. 
Because he's alive. Second is, who are you seeking? She should be seeking the risen Lord, not a dead body. She's come out to find a dead body. There is no dead body. He's saying to her, why are you crying? You shouldn't be crying. Who are you looking for? Let me tell you something. In Jerusalem, there's a tomb called Gordon's Calvary. We don't know if it's the tomb. It's in an area that maybe the tomb could have been. But whether it's the tomb or not, nobody really knows. But let me tell you this. You go to Gordon's Calvary, there is no body in there. It's empty. And if we could go to every tomb in there that, that we thought might be the right one, guess what? It doesn't matter. Every one of them are empty. Jesus is not in that tomb. Jesus is alive. He died for you. And he rose again for you and for me. He is the Savior. He is a risen Savior. It shouldn't be weeping. It should be joy. She thinks he's the gardener. Now, the gardener was a, a person that in this, they, we call it the garden tomb. It was probably in the side of a hill. There were probably flowers. It, probably, it belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. It was his personal property. And he had a man there, a gardener, whose job, what most people would say, would be to just take care of everything, make sure everything's fine. She thinks that's who it is. She supposes that he must have moved the body. So she says, supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Just tell me and I'll take him. First of all, she loved him. She wants him. She hasn't grasped that he's alive. Now let me ask you a question. What's she going to do with that body? You think she can pick up that body? You think she's just going to drag it? What do you think she's going to do? She's not thinking. All she says is, I want the body because I don't want somebody to have taken the body. And if you move the body, I want to know where the body is. I'll take care of the body. wonder why she didn't recognize him. Some say this. That he was veiled. In other words, just like on the, we read those verses a while ago where those, where those uh, guys were walking and Jesus came up and they didn't recognize who he was. He prevented them from seeing him. Maybe that happened there. Or maybe she was just crying and she just couldn't see through the tears. Or maybe she really wasn't even looking. I mean, she may have turned around, just saw somebody and just started talking and not realizing who he is. She hadn't grasped he's alive. And you know, that happens to us. Sometimes we live as if he's not alive. We live as if he didn't die and rise again. You realize where he is? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's inside of us. He's everywhere, but he's inside of us. But he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He is a risen Savior. She's about to go from despair to joy. He told them this. He said, you will not see me and you will be sad. Then you will see me and you will have joy. They didn't know what he was talking about. He told them this before he died. He said, you will not see me and you will be sad. You will see me and you will have joy. And what he was saying is, you will not see me because I'll be dead and you'll be sad. But then you'll see me, resurrection, and you'll have joy. We're about to see her go from sadness to joy. See, the death and resurrection of Christ changes everything. Watch what happened. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now let me tell you what happened. He called her name. And you know what happened? 
she recognized his voice. She had been with him maybe for most of the three years. And he might have said, Mary, do this. Mary, would you do this? Mary, help me. And she's standing there crying, and suddenly she recognizes his voice. Mary. And she knew exactly who it was. What did she say? She called him Rabboni, which means teacher. That's what she said. She, she, she recognized who he was immediately. John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, he is the greatest teacher. Think about this. He is our great teacher because he shows us the way, the truth, and the life. Go ahead to the next slide. That he is the way, he teaches the way of salvation because he's the way. He teaches the truth and the basis for living because he's the truth. He talks to us about life and gives us life because he is the life giver. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the greatest teacher of all. Now, do you imagine one day... He's going to call you by your name. Think about that. He said, Mary. And she knew exactly who it was. And one of these days, he's going to say, James Harold Bond, I'll call you JB because everybody else does. Right? And he's going to call your name. Your Savior is going to call your name. And you're going to get to stand before him. And it's going to be the greatest day of your life. Because you've always imagined what he's like. And you've looked at him in the scripture. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And one day you're going to be present with the Lord. Either you're going to die physically and you're going to be in his presence. And he's going to call your name. Or he's going to come with a shout and the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. We who are alive and remain be caught up together with him. And thus we'll be with him and he'll call you by name. And you'll always be with him from that point on. When Mary heard his voice and he said, Mary, she called him Rabboni, which is that Hebrew word. It literally means my master, but it meant to be the teacher. You know what she did? She grabbed him. What would you do? We'd go over and hey, can, you know, we'd be screaming on his clothes. Hey, I'd like to, I'm going to stay right here with you. Don't, don't keep walking. I'm going with you, right? That's what we'd want. She grabs him. Watch what he says to her. Verse 17. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I send to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. She grabbed a hold of him. And he says to her, Stop clinging to me. What he's trying to say to her is, Listen, it's not going to be the way it was. I'm not going to stay here. He's not staying. He's going to walk on the earth for 40 days. That's all. Acts chapter 1 tells us he walked on the earth for 40 days and then he ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. So he says to her, don't hold on to me, don't try to cling to me, because things aren't going to be the same way as they were. He's died, rose again, he's going to return to the Father. That's the plan for him to be at the right hand of the Father, making intercession and being an advocate for us. See, when you sin, he's your advocate. Whenever you pray, he's your intercessor. And when it's all is ready, he'll come back to get us. Notice what he calls, he says... He says, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren. Now, you understand that he calls his men brethren. He has called them disciples. He's called them servants. He's called them friends. But now he calls them brothers. Brothers because we're in the family of God. Anybody who believes in Jesus Christ as Savior is in the family of God. I think the next slide's all who believe in him. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. Every one of us in this room, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you're in the family of God, and Jesus could call you his brother. 
That's what he calls them right there. He says, I go to my father and your father, my God and your God. He's trying to show the family relationship because that's what it is. We're in a family. So what does she do? Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. She's the first one who ever saw him risen from the grave. Wow. You realize that she went and told others, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to tell people. Tell people that Jesus died and rose again. That's our good news message. The gospel is the death and resurrection of Christ. That he died on the cross, that he paid for sin, that he rose again, and he gives eternal life. Now, that's the first appearance. I want you to see, we're going to go quickly. Here's the second appearance. We turn to Matthew 28. We're going to go very fast. I want you to go to Matthew 28, and we're going to see the second people that Jesus appeared to. And guess who it is? It's women. It's the women. The ones that were at the cross, the ones that were at the burial, the ones now that are at the tomb. Now, remember, these are the women that saw the angels who said he's alive, and they've gone back. Now, watch what happens. We'll go very quickly. Matthew 28, look at verse 8. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. They have fear and joy. The word fear means awe. They're just amazed. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. What did they do as soon as they saw him? They fell down in front of him and grabbed a hold of him and worshipped him. See, that's our response. The response to our Savior is to worship him. And then look what he tells them to do. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take the word to my, notice, to my brethren, to my brothers, to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, I want to tell you something. He told them to go to Galilee. This is the second appearance. There's going to be a third one. He's going to appear to Peter. We'll talk about that next week. Then he's appearing to the ones we're seeing in the Gospel of Luke that are walking on the road to Emmaus. All this is in one day. They're supposed to go to Galilee. Did you know he told them after his resurrection to go up to Galilee to a mountain that he had designated? And you know what they do? They don't go. He appears to them. We're going to see it in the next couple of weeks. He appears to them in Jerusalem. Eight days later, he appears again to them in Jerusalem because they're still not in Galilee. And then they finally go to Galilee. And we see him with them by the Sea of Galilee. So we're going to see how that fits together. This is the second appearance. Let's look at the third one. And this is Luke 24. This is our verses that we read this morning. We'll go very quickly because we're just getting started on this. We'll put it together next week and see how the thing fits. Now, Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene. Jesus appeared to the women. He's told them both. They've both fallen down. They've worshipped him. And he said, go tell others. Now we meet two people, two men, walking on the road to Emmaus. Verse 13 of Luke 24. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. That very day is Sunday morning. It's the first day of the week. They would work six days and rest on the Sabbath, Sunday through Saturday, or Sunday through Friday, and then they'd rest on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday, by the way. And a lot of people get confused and they think Sunday's the Sabbath. Sunday's not the Sabbath, Saturday's the Sabbath. They're walking. Notice verse 14. And they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place. What are they? The word talking there means going back and forth. They were talking about what had happened. They said things like, you know, Jesus died and they buried him. How sad we are. We're really sad. We thought he was the Messiah. Yes, we did. We thought he would redeem Israel. Some women went to the tomb. We heard they went to the tomb and angels said that, they, that he is alive. They're confused. They knew it's been three days. They don't know what to think about it. Now, just picture these two guys and they're saying, we thought he was the one. We thought he'd be alive. We thought, we thought he was the Messiah. Some women said that angels told them. 
that he was alive. What happened? Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Now they're talking about what's going on. The word means to go back and forth. Jesus approaches and joins them. And that's not unusual because in that day and time, people rarely travel by themselves. They usually traveled in groups because there might be robbers along the road and you walked everywhere you went. And so if you were walking with two guys and another guy joins you, that's fine. The more the merrier. That just makes it safer. So they're walking along and Jesus joins them. So that's not an unusual thing. But notice the next verse, verse 16. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. It literally says their eyes were blocked, were restrained. Somehow they were not able to tell who he is. They just didn't recognize him. Something special. So he asked them questions. Look what he said. And he said to them, What are these words which you're exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. He said, What are you all talking about? Well, what they were talking about is, you think he's alive? No, I think he's dead. Well, I saw him dead. Well, I don't know. What happened to the body? Well, the women said the angels. I don't know if they saw angels. You think they imagined it? We don't know. They're talking back and forth. And so Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? And it says they stopped looking sad. Now, I want you to know something. Do you think they believe he's alive? No, they do not. They wouldn't be looking sad. They'd be going, I mean, we're pretty, pretty pumped up right now because we think he's alive. No, they're sad. They're saying, well, we thought it was going to work. We thought he was the one. We're pretty disappointed. Notice the answer, verse 18. One of them named Cleophas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened in these days? He basically says, What happened to you? Don't you know what's happened? You remember... Thousands of people had come to Jerusalem. It's Passover. They've had three festivals. They've had Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits. This is the Feast of First Fruits. It's on the first day of the week, Sunday. So uh, they're saying, Do you not know what's going on? Are you the only one maybe that's missed out on what's happened? And what does Jesus do? Jesus said, What things are you talking about? Verse 19. And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people. And they began to tell him about Jesus. And they said, Jesus was a prophet. Now I want you to understand, by saying he was a prophet, that doesn't mean they didn't think he was the Messiah. See, because in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the Messiah is the prophet of God. And they said, He's a prophet. And notice this. He was mighty in word and deed. His word was his message. His deeds were his actions. He gave the message that he was the Messiah. His deeds were to heal the sick. He raised the dead. He did, you know, gave forgiveness of sins. And he said he was powerful. He was powerful in the sight of God and of all people. Now I want you to notice something. That in the Old Testament, there were three offices. There was a prophet, a priest, and a king. When the Bible talks about the Messiah in the Old Testament, he's called the anointed one of God. That's what the word Mashiach, Messiah, means. It means the anointed one of God. The same word Christ, Christos, means the anointed one of God. Now, the only ones that are anointed were prophet, priest, and king. But nobody held all three offices. But the anointed one of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, holds all three offices. He's the prophet, priest, and king. He's the prophet who spoke the word of God. He's the priest who offered himself as the final sacrifice for sin. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords who will rule in righteousness and justice. That's why Jesus is called the Messiah, the Christ, because he's the prophet, the priest, and the king. He's the one. And so they said, he, he was the prophet. He did all the right stuff. And then in verse 20, they said, And how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. They said, it's over. He died. They think it's the religious leader's plan. 
That wasn't really the leader's plan. It's God's plan. God's plan is that Jesus would die for us. It is God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is God who demonstrates his love toward us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. First Peter 3.18, Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. First John 2.2, 2, he's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. All the way through the scriptures, God's plan that Jesus would die in our place. But then here's the key verse. Look what they say. We were hoping that it was he who was going to, to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since this happened. We thought he was the Savior. We thought he was the Redeemer. We thought he was the one promised all the way back to the seed of woman and the seed of Abraham and the son of David and the Lamb of God. We thought he was the right one. You know why they missed it? Because when they looked at it, they saw him as the king. They saw him as whipping the Romans. They never saw him, as Isaiah 53 said, that he's going to die and be bruised, and crushed, and take our sins. They never saw it. They just never put it together. That's why they hadn't grasped it. Jesus is going to teach them. We'll see next week. He actually takes them through the Scripture and teaches that He must die and rise again. That has to be there. Now, do you understand the reason they're sad? It's because they don't have any resurrection. They think He's dead. And without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. Every one of us in this room, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, we have nothing. Let me show you something. Why is the resurrection so important? The resurrection is so important because it proved that sin is paid for. If Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, sin would not have been paid for. It proved that death is conquered. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, death is the end. And if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, he's not God. But it did. he did rise from the grave, and it proves that he is God. That's why the resurrection is so important. D.L. Moody said this, The resurrection is the keystone arch of our faith. If Christ had not risen, all witnesses are liars. If Christ had not risen, we do not have the proof that the resurrection of Jesus is any different from the two thieves. And if Christ is not risen, there's no payment for sin. Next week, we're going to continue in the story because Jesus is going to stop and teach them something. And he's going to teach them the Bible. And I guarantee you that every one of us in this room, we would give anything if we could have heard Jesus teach through the whole Old Testament showing himself. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there for that? We'll see what he says next week. Jesus is alive. He appeared to Mary, he appeared to the women, he appeared to two on the road. He is the Messiah and the Savior. Let me give you some applications. We'll go very quickly through this. First of all, realize that we have a risen Savior. I mean, grasp the fact that we're talking about. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and came back to life. He rose from the grave never to die again. He indeed is the Son of God. He paid for sin and He conquered death. He is the Savior. Remember the two questions? Why are you weeping? Can't weep. He's alive. Who are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody dead? Are you looking for somebody alive? He's alive. What's our response? Let's worship Him as our Savior. He is the Son of God. He died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again. We worship Him. Every time we come together on a Sunday morning, you realize this is the first day of the week. This is Sunday morning. Why do we worship on Sunday morning? Because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week, Sunday morning. That's why we worship today. B, remember he's our teacher. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He teaches the way of salvation, the truth for living, and gives eternal life. C, by faith we 
are children of God. You know what he calls us? He calls us brothers. Brothers and sisters. We're in the family of God. As many as received him, they gave the right to become children of God. Those who believe in his name. D. Let's tell others. We got to. What did Mary go do? She went and told others. What did the women go do? They went and told others. You're going to find these two guys. When they realize that Jesus is alive, you know what they do? They don't wait till the next day. They go in the dark all the way back to Jerusalem to tell people that Jesus is alive. We need to tell people that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He paid for sin, that He rose again, and that He gives eternal life to anyone who will believe. It is that simple. That's the message. That's all you have to know. He's the Son of God. He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again. And He gives eternal life to anyone who will believe. That's the message. And you can proclaim that in this community, on that campus, everywhere you go. Let's make it known. Two, understand the importance of the resurrection. Why is it so important? It's because it proves that Jesus is God, sins are paid for, and death is conquered. May we as children of God worship Him. May we learn from our God and Savior, our great teacher. May we proclaim to others the message that Jesus has died and rose again, paying for sin and conquering death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Help us to put them together. Thank you that we have a risen Savior, that Jesus died and rose again, given eternal life. May we worship Him. May we learn from Him. When we realize we're children of God, and may we tell others, Lord, thank you that Jesus rose again, proving that He is God, sins are paid for, and that death is conquered. Lord, help us as we continue in the next week or two as we see the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.